0: Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions, and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices, because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last time, We revisited one of our earliest discussions on demographics because we believe there are forces at work that are driving not only politics but social interaction in general. In every board and conference room around the world, there's a struggle going on between the three predominant generations of our time known as the baby boomers who are trying to retire, the millennials, and Gen Z who don't want to support either one of them. Because they're worried about their own and the world's survival. But the outcome will ultimately impact not only the economy, but the very spirit of our nation, which since Adam Smith published The Wealth of Nations in 1776 has been based on the invisible hand of a laissez faire free market society, in which the interests of society have been best fulfilled through the interplay of supply and demand, and on the concept of the individual as a heroic being whose happiness is based on their own achievement, not on handouts, a sense of entitlement, or what someone else decides. Today, however, given the upheaval going on in global markets, we want to address something we're right in the middle of, which is a state of capitulation. The term capitulation means the action of surrendering, or ceasing to resist. It's when people are so afraid they start to sell ultimately without discrimination because they've reached a point, the precondition of which is great suffering, endured over a long enough period of time, it becomes intolerable. And they simply give up, abandoning their longest held, highest conviction positions to do whatever it takes to end the pain.
1: In general, This is not something we want to do. And more importantly, to make sure we never put ourselves in a position where we need to do so. Due, for example, to a lack of preparation or planning. Because we all know rational behavior and emotion are often at odds, and we must keep emotion to a minimum when it comes to managing our money. But as Barnaby said, We're right in the middle of the market struggling to adjust to a wide range of changing conditions. From supply chain disruptions, where we've been running out of everything from semiconductors to baby food, to persistently higher inflation, especially for things like food and energy, which hurts the poor the most, to central banks removing accommodation late in the game with the intention of slowing things down right when we're facing all these issues, not to mention the war in Ukraine or China shutting down their economy to halt the spread of COVID there.
0: As things stand, according to Bank of America's most recent fund manager survey, cash levels among investors are at their highest level since September 2001. Technology stocks are in the midst of their biggest liquidation since 2006. Stagflation expectations are the highest since 2008. And their greatest fear is that hawkish central banks will put us into a global recession. This, in other words, and in the words of CNBC's Bob Pisani, means investors are already jumping off a cliff.
1: These feelings, of course, are impacting every market from Europe, Australia, and the Far East to almost every emerging market. And for the first time in decades, the safe haven of bonds has been hurt even more year to date. than just about every major equity index as rates for our 30-year treasury rose from 1.9% at the start of the year to recently as high as 3.23%. This means that at that moment, those bonds had fallen nearly 40% in price. And again, for the first time in decades, outflows from bond funds have exceeded those of stocks, including over the past five weeks alone, more than $7 billion from investment grade corporates, $3 billion from TIPS, and the largest ever from REITs at more than $2 billion dollars.
0: This is something we've both been warning about in our articles and podcasts that could and we believed would happen. But we want to reiterate what it actually means. When someone buys a bond, they typically hold it to maturity, and because most people never know where rates will go, they usually build some sort of ladder of maturity so a part of their principal is coming due each year. And they have a chance to reinvest wherever rates are at the time, in a sort of, dollar cost averaging approach, but at any given moment, depending on where interest rates have gone since they purchased each bond, the value of all their bonds will have gone up or down. And if rates happen to have gone higher and you're suddenly in a position where you have no choice but to sell, you can take a substantial loss in an asset that you bought primarily for the purpose of preservation of capital.
1: But most alarming of all is the speed with which this shakeout has occurred. 20% corrections are relatively normal. And in 19 bear markets over the past 140 years, annual declines have averaged more than 37%. The good news, if we're looking for a silver lining, (laughs) is that more than 58% of the NASDAQ has already fallen that much or more from their highs. But when it happens in six weeks and the markets drop six weeks in a row, it's the speed and magnitude of the sell-off that has shaken the confidence of even the most stout-hearted investors and caused them, too, to grow fearful as well. It's also starting to show up in consumers cutting back their spending.
0: Before we go any further, I think it's important to briefly remind listeners how markets work starting with the role hedge funds and ETFs play, about terms like technicals and trend following, and most important, the impact that leverage can have both on the up and downside. Most indexes are cap-weighted. That is, larger companies constitute an increasingly bigger part of their holdings over time. And according to the Pareto Principle, which I wrote about in one of my Equis reports, of the return of most indexes is due to 20% of the holdings. This means that indexes are filled with losers you can't get rid of without selling your winners as well. And as a consequence, when people are fearful, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. The fact is, most hedge funds have increasingly used ETFs to respond instantly to daily news and events, thereby becoming the proverbial tail that wags the dog. They use leverage to magnify their returns by borrowing against their other holdings, and they pay close attention to key technical support and resistance levels. And when either is broken, their selling or buying accelerates.
1: And as Art Cashin often says, when you can't sell what you want, you end up selling what you can, which often means selling your best performers. Unfortunately, when things go wrong, those funds and individuals who used leverage on the way up can suddenly be subject to what's known as a margin call on the way down. When the value of the securities in their account falls below a certain minimum or maintenance level that requires the holder to add cash or sell securities at prices they clearly wish they didn't have to, or they would have done so before. Barnaby's point about bonds is that people often say they don't have to sell. And if they don't, and they hold to maturity, they won't suffer a loss. Eventually, they'll get their money back. But that, of course, could be years later, depending on the bond's maturity. And of course, they'll be losing purchasing power due to inflation. So why is it so hard for people to think the same way when it comes to the stock market? And again, when looking at any long-term chart of the S&P 500, we know there have been dozens of times over the years when something happened to shake our confidence from the tech bubble bursting in 2000 to 9-11 to the great financial crisis of 2008. Each time there were significant drops in equity values and each time it took our breath away. But then things eventually settled down and began to recover before moving higher again.
0: But even though we... intuitively know this there comes a point when that memory fades and we react by selling it's just human nature at some point we reach a point when we suddenly think everything will go to zero and we give up abandoning even our longest held highest conviction positions to do whatever it takes to end the pain but let's say we saw it coming Let's say we knew we were about to face a 37% fall in the market. What would you give to have sold everything in advance before it happened? To preserve capital and your peace of mind. And then when it was over, buy back then. Let's forget about timing and equally important figuring out when exactly to get back in. In California and New York, the answer is about 35%. That's anywhere from 15 to 35% federal and 10 to 13% state in taxes on all the gains you'd enjoyed until then. That's what you'd pay, for sure, the following year in April in checks to the IRS and Franchise Tax Board.
1: As Michael Farr recently said, it's time in the market, not timing the market, that matters. What we do, on the other hand, we do our very best to have raised and hold enough cash and reserve in advance to take advantage of drops like what we're going through now so we can add to our highest conviction holdings when they're low.
0: To have reduced or eliminated any holdings in which we have less confidence or conviction, whether it's exposure to Russia or China or our allocation to more aggressive small cap names in favor of those with more as I like to call them shots on goal, and bulletproof balance sheets, so they can take advantage of the inevitable dislocations to buy other companies on the cheap.
1: It doesn't mean, of course, that whatever you do hold on to will do any better, because at the point of the process that we're in now, which is capitulation, everything's going down, but our experience is that those companies with strong balance sheets and long-term fundamentals will bounce back first and most. And we're already beginning to see investors like Ron Barron and Warren Buffett beginning to buy things others are selling indiscriminately. Last quarter, for example, Buffett put more than 45 of his 150 billion in cash to work, adding to among others his positions in chevron apple and general motors now is the time we believe for millennials and older gen z to begin buying some high quality dividend paying stocks in great companies on a regular and systematic basis so they can reap the benefit of long-term compounding at attractive valuations
0: well thanks for listening everyone we hope it helped and if it did that you'll share it with friends and family so they can benefit too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not and offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.